Now, now, real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio. Elon Musk, he has achieved his dream. Roboticizing human beings, putting a chip into a human brain. Now, for good reasons this time. It's to monitor brain activity in people who are unwell. But his plan eventually to achieve is that he wants a situation whereby we will be the last generation of people who will have to pick up our mobile phones, etc., etc. Can you imagine in a conversation in 50 years' time? Now, I remember 50 years ago, they used to have to carry mobile phones in their hands. Now we just think of the phone number and it rings the person. You will be basically having voices in your head. And not only that, when it comes to schooling and education... The plan, I imagine, for maybe less than 50 years' time, 50 years' time, they put a plant, in, a little chip into every baby's head. When they get to five, they just upload a program, a bit of education. When they get to 10, they upload a little bit more. When they get to 18, what subjects would you like? Oh, I'd like to be a school teacher, do history. Okay, just upload that. That'll be two and a half thousand for that one there, for that course. And they just upload it to your brain. That's what's going to happen. They'll be looking back going, do you remember kids used to go to a building for seven hours a day and we had the stuff drilled into them? Now we just upload it from our... Oh, well, there won't even be iPads. I don't know what they'll be called. They'll be AI glasses or something. I don't know. There won't even be glasses. There'll be lenses they put into your eyes. It's all very weird. Look how much technology has moved on in the last 50 years compared to the 5,000 years we had before that. I remember reading an article once that if Rolls Royces had developed as much as technology in the last 50 years, they'd be the size of a matchbox and cost 50 pence. You're working out, and that's just an analogy. Anyway, we will be talking about Elon Musk, but talk to me a bit more about Elon Musk is our good friend and broadcaster, Gary Brennan, who joins us. Gary, good evening to you. Good evening, Niall. Thanks oh, for having not me. A, oh, there you are. There you go. So, <laughs> Gary, in relation to Elon Musk, now, he's a controversial character, born in South Africa, He's a multi-billionaire, the richest man in the world. We've no idea how much money he's worth. Uh, I see estimates constantly all the time of 230 billion. Then you see share prices dropping and he's just lost 30 billion. Then he gains 12 billion the next day. How much is he actually worth, first of all? Well, it is a moving feast, as they say, as of today, actually. And now this is the interesting thing about Elon Musk is it, there's never a day that goes by that he doesn't appear in the news. He's always in the news, be it for X.com, formerly Twitter, of course, or for SpaceX or Tesla or any of the companies that he owns. But as you mentioned earlier on Neuralink, I'm going to get into that a little bit more later on. But today he was in the news because in Delaware in the United States, he was ruled against a shareholder of Tesla took a court case against him because he paid himself 50 odd billion out of Tesla as a payment and he used that money to purchase Twitter. Now, they took him to court and the judge ruled against him today. So there's 56 billion around that that uh, we don't know about. But then again, that goes into the pot. I mean, you get to a point in your life of Elon Musk's riches where it's almost pointless to talk about how much you're worth because you're worth more than any small country. I mean, it's crazy the amount of money the man has. And the interesting thing about him is is that he, he tends to look at money as a, a means to an end. So when he does make money, I'll get into this more a little later on, when he makes money, he ploughs it into the next thing and he ploughs it into the next thing. He leads a fairly simple life. He's, he's simply ploughed That's what I was going to say. Does it, it looks like he doesn't care about the money. That the money is just a number to him that keeps all the hobbies going. And I, I watched a documentary about him and he had a bed tesla beside his desk and he was sleeping in the factory i mean the man doesn't live a lavish lifestyle yes he probably has a private jet because he has to go from place to place constantly all the time with meetings all over the world 
but he doesn't live the lavish lifestyle you expect. I mean, he seems, a lot of people have said he's on the spectrum um, because he is a, he's a very unusual individual in the way he speaks, but an extremely intelligent man. He admitted it himself on uh, Saturday Night Live uh, that he's uh, he's got Asperger's and his work ethic is remarkable. I mean, it truly is remarkable. I have a little clip of him here talking about that and I just found this very, very interesting. I'll let it speak for itself. If, if, if other people are putting in 40-hour work weeks and you're putting in 100-hour work weeks, then even if uh, you're doing the same thing, you know that in, in one year you will achieve what they achieve. You, you will achieve in four months what it takes them a year to achieve. And that's the way he looks at life, Niall. And this goes back to when he was a child. So he was born in 1971 in Pretoria, South Africa, one of three children. His dad was an engineer and his mum was a model. It was a very violent house that he grew up in. His father was, was quite a violent man, a very turbulent childhood that he had. And he was bullied in school. So he had a sort of mixed bag of a childhood. He went to live with his father when he was about nine. And then he emerged from South Africa and he ended up in Canada. And when he got to America, that's when he started to uh, really think about where he wanted to take his mind. He said when he was a child, there was so much going on in his brain. He couldn't understand how no one else was feeling the same way. He had so many questions, so many ideas, so many visions. And he felt completely isolated because nobody else seemed to have the same sort of setup going on. And he actually dropped out of college, but it, it, it shows you about his personality where he took that. So he got interested in Silicon Valley and these things. He set up a company with his brother called Zip2, which was sort of like Golden Pages of the time, Golden Pages Online. And that that that, that, that was where his work ethic really came into, in, into its own. They had a small office, him and his brother, and they slept in the office, they ate in the office. He talked about having girlfriends at the time. If, if they didn't want to sit in the office, office and spend the night with him, that was never going to work because that was his life and he was committed to it. He sold that company and then he ploughed that money into X.com, which eventually merged with two with another company to become PayPal. And that's when the real wealth started to come for him. And he made a ton of money off that. He sold that to eBay. Mm. And again, this is another example of how he looks at money. The money he got from that. I think one point, I think that was one of the record payments at the time, of course. You've got to remember when this was. This was 2002. At 1.5 billion, he sold that. He sold PayPal off for. And, and of course, you know, he had his, a few bits of money in little different places at the time. I, now, obviously, we've seen today in the news that PayPal sadly are laying people off. But PayPal, of course, became monstrous. It became the, the number one, I suppose, banking system online for everybody. If you had hung on to that for a bit longer, you probably would have made a bit more money of it. Probably sold it a bit too early, but go on, yeah. But it just shows you the way his brain was working because he started with a sort of golden pages online and then he saw the need for a, a, a safe financial suite. Because, I mean, look, we're all well used to buying things online right now. But if we, if we think back to when it, when it really started becoming a thing, buying things online, people were very concerned about putting their details into websites. God knows where they were putting their financial details. And there was all sorts of credit card fraud and everything. And he, he had a vision for a financial suite that would protect uh, the end-to-end -end user on that, on the money alone. And that was where, that's, it was such a brilliant idea. But again, that goes to the way, he's always two or three steps ahead of everyone. And after PayPal, of course, X.com, and then things started to get interesting. That's when he started to look at uh, space exploration and, of course, Tesla. He saw, he saw the car situation as ultimately a fairly unsolvable problem, to be honest with you. He, he does, he's, he's on record saying that he actually 
thought Tesla would fail. He didn't think it would work, but he was like, it's worth a shot. He was trying to prove a point that you could build an electric car and it didn't have to be bulky and it didn't have to be ugly. It could be beautiful and it could change the car industry. So like th th that's where he was at the time. Threw all his money into it, threw all his money into SpaceX. At one stage... He was in, skint, wasn't he? He was skint, exactly. Yeah. He, was, he was living on friends' sofas and, you know, that was the kind of lifestyle he had. So he is a... A really interesting figure. I mean, I, wa I watched that documentary when he launched um, Tesla first on the stock exchange. I think that, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was around 2013. It wasn't so long ago. It was about 10 years ago. And he drove the car up to Wall Street and parked it outside when they launched on the stock. And he hadn't got a penny. But he made this, made it look like he was this multimillionaire with lots and lots of money behind this. And he wanted investors. And he already had uh, God knows how many thousand orders, but no money to build the cars. And, and he was just hoping that it would work. And it did. He got, you know, millions or billions, should I say, in investment that particular day when it launched. Yeah, and Jay Leno speak, uh, uh, spoke recently. I mean, we know Jay Leno, the American chat show host, has a huge collection of cars. He's a bit of a petrol head. Uh, and he said that when he met Elon Musk, he said, I met loads of people who were talking about electric cars. He said, but the difference between Elon Musk and the others was Elon was thinking about where am I going to charge them? And that shows you how his brain works. He wasn't so much concerned about the cars. He knew that the end user would ultimately have a problem with charging. So he was almost more focused on the charging stations that he could build on the west coast of America to, because he knew that why would you buy a car if you can't charge it? And we still see that in, in 2024 in Ireland. People are still struggling I've with that notion. It, yeah. you know, Killing each other in garages there you go. for the charger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but here's the thing. Tesla have their own chargers. Exactly. And he has made sure that their own chargers are in every single garage. So he's obsessed, as you say rightly, with charging the cars. Yeah. I mean, he then, I suppose, went on to make a lot more money because obviously he was getting order. He couldn't make the cars quick enough. That was so it. he had to it, build his own super factories. Yes, yeah. and he's got the factory in Nevada and he's got Solar City, which uh, builds the batteries, the solar batteries. Now, he's got two types of batteries. He's got one for uh, sort of like private use. You can put it onto your, into your house and, and it'll charge loads of different things very efficiently as well. And then there's the industrial ones as well. So he's he's kind of covered all bases with that. Now, what will happen with Tesla down the road is is interesting because, of course, today's ruling does, does show you that Tesla is, it's not a perfect company. And ultimately, he's threatening to move it from Delaware back to, down to Nevada. And he's also saying that he could take a private as well. The, the thing about Elon Musk, and I found this interesting when he bought Twitter, was it really, really stirred up emotion in people. And he sort of transformed the minute he bought Twitter because up to that point, he was sort of this mysterious, uh, mm -hmm. almost rich kind of visionary. And people were like, you just stay in your own lane there and you'll be all right. But since the emergence of X.com Twitter and he's starting to kind of get involved in government issues and, you know, society. Well, he's even got involved in the Irish government now. He's now saying openly that he will finance any court uh, appeal for the Irish hate speech laws or anybody who wants to challenge the Irish hate speech laws. So he's now openly supporting, you know, the anti-hate speech laws because, of course, it could affect him directly because we, the last thing that he wants to see is Twitter being banned in any country in the world because of hate speech laws or him getting fines. But he got Twitter is more like his toy 
because he's on it every day. He replies to average people, which is really unusual for the CEO and, the, and a, somebody so wealthy to sit there. You wonder where he's getting the time to do this, because if you look at his Twitter account, he's replying to people, even short one word replies every five or ten minutes. He's obviously permanently on the phone as he's working. It's incredible. He says he doesn't sleep very much at all. He's always switched on. He's always working. He actually has said as well, and I have an interesting clip from here I'll play for you before I go into any more depth about it, how he looks at himself. I mean, my mind is a storm. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think most people would want to be me. They may think they'd want to be me, but they don't, they don't know. They don't understand. See, now, there you go. That's how he sees himself. He's a very mixed up, uh, sort of highly intelligent person. And he can't switch off. He, he literally can't. And he's been asked in interviews. I've seen plenty of interviews over the last week while I was researching him, where they were like, why don't you just sell up? You know, like when you made $150 million, <laughs> I mean, that's enough. And he was yeah, just, I couldn't. I do. <laughs> yeah, listen, if I made $50 million, I'd be gonzo. But he just can't do it. He's on to the next thing. He's on to the next thing. And that's what I find interesting about it. Like when you sort of, I mean, I'm going to attempt to psychoanalyze Elon Musk. I mean, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> when, when he bought Twitter, he wasn't buying a social media platform. He was buying a user base. You know, that's all he wanted. He wanted the user base. Then it was his toy to do what he wanted with it. What his vision for X is, there's been lots of speculation about. Yes, he's going to keep it as a sort of Twitter, but he's changed completely how they run that company. He's changed. Uh, he doesn't believe in sort of arbitrary kind of uh, the company telling people what's true and what's not true. He's like, what is but that's what Twitter was. Twitter, I mean, when I started on Twitter first, which is back in 2011, it was very balanced. You know, there was head cases on it on the right, there was head cases on the left. But then over time, slowly but surely, it got infiltrated. Uh, I would use the word infiltrated. People may not agree with my opinion on it either, by the way. And it became very left-leaning. And if anybody even questioned the narrative, i.e. around COVID, transgenderism, or any of the other main topical issues, if anybody questioned those, they were suspended or banned. Or they were ghost banned, as they call it on Twitter, which means nobody gets to see your stuff. But you get very few likes. And he wanted to correct that balance. Now, he lost a lot of advertisers over that because, of course, the advertisers were, became a little bit afraid uh, of, the, I suppose, the NGOs and the left-leaning loud people. But that seems to have come back a bit now. Now, I do understand there are plenty of head cases on Twitter on both sides. But I think what he wanted is he wanted the village... And he wanted the, you know, the city hall, uh, you know, in the village every weekend to have a mixture of both views. And I think he's achieved that much to the annoyance of the left, that the right are allowed back on again. And I think that's what he's achieved. And I think that was his aim. Well, the old management of Twitter uh, had their flag firmly in the, the Democrat side. I mean, we know that from the files that were released when Elon Musk took over Twitter. I mean, they released that, you know, the Hunter Biden's laptop, all those sorts of things. They admitted that they suppressed stories from the New York Post uh, exposing, you know, things that would have been detrimental to the Biden campaign. So there was bias inherent in Twitter. And he went in to try and get rid of that. Now, has he overcorrected? A lot of people would argue that he has. It's gone swung far much far to the right. But ultimately, what he believes is that free speech is free speech and it, it will self-regulate. So what he's doing on X.com is if somebody says something, it's up to other users to correct them and they can do it with community notes and there's all sorts of new programs involved. So will it ultimately work? It seems to already be working. So we'll have to wait and see how this goes. But where he's going to take that... Well, he, well he is. Yeah, he is planning to expand that... Uh, 
got into now by allowing people to upload videos, which the old Twitter really didn't. He's amalgamated Periscope with Twitter with the live podcast, which I do every single day and I broadcast live on Twitter. Um, and he's brought in, of course, the premium service now where he's actually getting people to pay for their blue ticks rather than just get them because they're a good boy. <laughs> so he, he's making a bit of money that way around. I'm sure they have plenty of members now because everyone I see now has a blue tick. Um, and he's brought in only recently in the last couple of months where you pay 25 euro or whatever it is, dollars, for your premium plus, which gets you a little bit, a few more extra things that you can do for those who want to use it for business, I suppose. He believes that all social media networks will be charging uh, within the next five years. And one of the reasons he thinks that will happen is this notion of the bots, right? So with the emergence of AI and the, the more powerful it gets, his concern is that AI will overrun social media networks. And one way to uh, keep that down as low as possible is to charge a minimal, a nominal fee, like 30 cent uh, a day or 30 cent, sorry, 30 cent a month, something very, very small. So that people will be committed to the platform. It'll stop uh, criminal gangs putting together AI bots and all that sorts of things. So that's his plan when it comes to X. But there's other things that he wants to incorporate into X. And he wants it to be a go-to suite for pretty much everything. So he's expanded it, obviously, from a platform where you can share your ideas and videos and things like that. His, he has said uh, that he sees uh, financial transactions running through X, an entire online suite running through this website. So look, <laughs> never discount this guy. He's always two or three steps ahead of, ahead of everyone. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes with this website, that's for sure. Um, in relation to the car business, I mean, do we have much faith? There is, I've been talking to people in relation to the car business. And of course, Tesla would be the leader at the moment when it comes to electric cars. And you see, everywhere you look at it, you see Tesla cars where they were a rarity going back two or three years ago. They were exciting to see. Now it's just going to, oh, there's another one. Um, but I, I don't know if, I mean, he's even talking about the fact you know, that they're inconvenient. I've heard him say that himself, that by times they can be inconvenient if you don't, if you're not charging at home and you have to charge at a garage or whatever it happens to be. And he believes there has to be something better. Now, I know he's already looking into plans with a Korean company um, using nuclear power. Uh, not only nuclear power, but it's, it's uh, charged up by laser light. And he, they believe in pa on paper, now it's only in theory, and they patented the idea already, that they'll be able to charge a car quicker than you can fill it with diesel. That's the future, isn't it? The future seems to be whatever he thinks it is. And he's that powerful uh, that he can make his ideas come to life. He's got that much money and that much, uh, you know, influence. You know, he's going around the world talking to prime ministers, presidents, kings and queens. I mean, the man has everyone's ear and he's got the money to back it, back it up. So ultimately, when he says... He's at that point of power now that if he says nuclear energy is going to be part of the future of electric cars, it probably will. I mean, you look at what the work he's doing with Neuralink as you started out the segment with. Implanting a chip into someone's brain would have been five years ago. Would, would have been, you know, you would have been kicked out of the room for talking about it. And he's done it. And the whole point of that chip is to change people's lives. I mean, they, they put out an ad for people that were quadriplegia and to like the likes of Stephen Hawkins, so that Stephen Hawkins, if he was alive, could sit in his chair and control his phone, um, control his computer telepathically, that his thoughts would become things and he would never had to have spoken through that box. He would have had full autonomy over, 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 you know, his communication. This stuff is insane. And when he talked about things like this five years ago, people thought he was nuts. When he said he was going to shoot rockets up into space and land them again, 
People said he was crazy. Mm. People that worked in NASA said this 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 cannot work. You'll never achieve it. So look, there are critics of Elon Musk that will say, yes, he's you know he's successful, but he surrounds himself with the people that know how to do these things. He doesn't necessarily know how to do these things. And I always find that as a curious mm. criticism because if you can get the brightest people in the world to work for you and shoot a rocket into space and land it back on Earth. I think that's a skill in itself. So when people dismiss mm. him as, you know, oh, he's animal, he's, he's smart, but he's stupid. You go, ah, come on. Like, really, his achievements speak for themselves. He, he's a transformative figure, like a truly transformative figure. Finally, the, the other thing that he wants to venture into is animatronics and robotics. And of course, Tesla have their own robot now. Have you seen the robot? Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite scary to watch it walking around the factory, etc., etc. What I mean, has he said anything recently about that, or is he still working on that? Is that a still a project at the moment, or is there a plan to commercialize that in the future? Are we all going to have robots walking around their houses with suits on them, serving us our dinner? He did speak recently, and he was quite humorous about it. Uh, he was talking to Rishi Sunak, the British Prime Minister, and. He, it was an interesting insight into where robots are going to go. He was talking about the work that Hyundai are doing with um, Boston Dynamics. And these robots are very sophisticated and they can already go faster than a car. And he finds he finds that frightening. And he says that robots are going to be a part of our life. He said, but the problem and it's amazing how his brain thinks because it's so simple. He said the problem the problem we may have is a robot being able to chase us up the stairs. He said, if a robot like a Tesla car is a car and it's on the road, that's safe, okay? Generally safe. But the minute robots can run upstairs and chase after us, he says, that's dangerous because if AI takes over mm. the chip in the robot, anything can happen. We have no control over the robot. So he said, we have to look at stop, um, stop buttons really, really carefully about how we control these robots and, and have a safety switch, essentially. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I've got a headache talking about but it. This is why he, yeah, I know, I know. But this is why he pulled out of the open AI. He was, of course, the founder of, the original founder of open AI before we had ChatGBT, which has now become widely popular around the world. Now, he has his own one out now called Grook, is that what it's called or something like that? Um, which is a kind of humorous thing. But he pulled out of it originally because he feared where it was going. And he feared how it was going to be used to put, you, you basically used for propaganda to push a certain narrative that you can program it to not give you answers or do things in a certain way. And that's why he pulled away from it. So he was originally involved with that with Bill Gates, I think, at the very start. Now, I, th I think Bill Gates is still involved in open AI. He is. Uh, but Elon pulled away from it. Yeah, Elon is very, very concerned about the growth of AI and how quickly it's moving. But uh, he's not shying away from staying involved in it. He's going out speaking about how careful we need to be. It's an interesting subject for him because he's all about jumping forth, you know. Uh, but on this, he is still cautious. He is still concerned. So I think people need to listen to him, uh, to be honest with you, because, mm. I mean, it, it really is going to be transformative. And he has said that we need to look at it in terms of what it's going to do to social media, what it's going to do to the upcoming UK election and the US election. When you have a situation where, as he calls them, deep real videos, not deep fake, deep real, because it's going to be indiscernible. Uh, some of the footage you'll see online up to now the deep fake thing you know you could almost tell if you look closely it's getting to the point now where it's flawless and that is a huge concern and I know one of the other things that he wanted to do with robots right, and use them for you know purposeful reasons was to use them in construction and only recently he put up a picture of one of his AI robots you know plastering a wall 
<laughs> and uh, use them in agriculture. So he had, the uses he has for robots are probably are very different to say what Bill Gates might want to use them for. Or I don't know, but people don't like Bill Gates anymore. He seems like this very sinister character. What are, by the way, the other big tech giants, the likes of the Mark Zuckerbergs, although I know uh, Elon Musk challenged them to a charity boxing match, mm. but Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and all these other big individuals, um, um, what is their opinion of Elon Musk? Is there a relationship there? I mean, these guys, there's, there's five or six of them in the world. Is there a relationship between these guys? Do they have respect for each other or do they lack respect for each other? I think, no, I think there is a mutual respect. They tend to stay in their own lanes, though. I think there's a, an understanding that they, they stay in their own lanes. Now, Elon Musk didn't do that when he got involved with Twitter. He moved into X.com and we saw Mark Zuckerberg's response with that with threads on Instagram. So I think there's... Now, this which, is pure. which has been a monumental failure, by yeah. the way, threads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look at that. But that's why Elon Musk saw the value in Twitter when no one else did. They were like, why yeah. is he paying this money for this? It's because you, you get one shot at this and Twitter won, you know, in, in, in its space. And that's the one shot. He bought it, package, parcel, turnkey, social media network, done and dusted. And he wasn't going to go out and start his own one because that would be crazy. So they have, I suppose, I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm... I, it's been a while since I sat down with Mark and Elon now, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I get <laughs> I get the impression that there's a mutual respect, but also you stay where you where you work and I'll stay where I work. Yeah. Now, now. real people, real opinions. Nighttime talk with Niall Boylan. Ireland's classic hits radio.